Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Burke Reviews Movie Club. This week's episode we are talking about Blue Valentine, directed by, hold on, because I don't remember his name, Derek C. in France, I think that's how you say it, um, from 2010, starring Michelle Williams and Ryan Gosling. Um, we'll get into that review in a moment, but first, let me introduce my co-host, Miss Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And I am Jonathan Burke, and we are back again, ready to discuss this film. I'm feeling much better, and yet extensively nervous. Do you know why I'm nervous, Corey? I don't. I have taken your advice along with many, many other people who have been giving me crap for a while, and I have a dentist appointment tomorrow at 1 o'clock. And I am nervous as hell because I am afraid of everything that has to do with a dentist. Um, I don't... Oh, hold on a second. Let me tell you, you know, some facts. A, I was very nervous when I first started going to the dentist, and now I love going to the dentist because Ooh. I like having nice teeth. Uh -huh. They can numb your mouth for mm. you the first few visits, like with local whatever Anesthesia. i don't know it's no injection so it's awesome oh it's no injection and yeah no injection they just rub it on your gums so ask for that and but, um I, I probably will now but there's other like one i'm not a germaphobe but i don't like the idea of someone's hands in my mouth you know I'm almost more of like a do-it-yourself. Like, I, is there a YouTube video for wisdom teeth removal that I could just follow and do it? You know, get some, you know, Jack Daniels and go to town. Um, I feel like I'm more comfortable with that and the likely scenario of infection than I am with some stranger's hands in my mouth. Okay, so I work for a hospital now, dun, 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 <laughs> and I just want to tell you some facts that I've learned. You're supposed to wash your hands for 20 seconds at least. Oh. And they have done so many um, surveys and so many research, whatever, that most, I think it's only 5% of people that use a public restroom clean their hands correctly. And I think it's only 15 or 20% of people that wash their hands. So I'm going to bet you a million dollars, no matter what, your dental hygienist hands are going to be cleaner than uh, anybody else you come in contact with. I wasn't sure where we were I'll going with that. I thought maybe you were implying <laughs> I should be really worried about the hand. <laughs> but... No, I was just saying. But also, I didn't realize until like a year ago that every time you go to the dentist, no matter who's working on your mouth, they're always wearing glasses. And I think that's on purpose so oh. that none of your spit gets in their face. Oh, like so they're they're more like safety goggles. Like. <laughs> yeah, just when you go, pay attention well, to everybody that yeah. like your hygienist, your dentist, everybody who comes close to you. Watch, they now, have glasses. The the dentist that I'm going to, I'm not going to give the name until they sponsor the podcast. But um, they, I got put on hold, which I imagine happens with most dental agencies, and they have um. A, a guy talking to you instead of music it's a guy talking to you about the dental agency telling you, you know, it's basically like non-stop commercials for all the things they offer but one of the things is that they claim that they are a uh what was it shame-free dental office which at first i was like what does that mean i started thinking about it i'm like oh i get it it's every tv show and movie with dentists is like you don't floss enough you don't floss enough you know they're constantly blaming you for your teeth problems and it's like look man I get that. I'm not here to hear that this is my fault. I want you to fix it. Like, I'm giving you money not to shame me. Like, I didn't ask for a personal trainer over here. I just want you to fix the pain. Make the pain stop, please. And I get it. I screwed up. This is, at this point in my life, it's way past the, you know, do you floss question. It's like, 
clearly not, right? Like, I have teeth problems, in, especially in the back. Because in Polk County, you, you, people may not know this listening to the podcast, but a lot of people have teeth problems. Because for a long time, we were the meth capital of the world. Now, I didn't do meth. I didn't do any drugs. I did I didn't sugar. I did meth either. Yeah. <laughs> I did sugar. <laughs> lots and lots of sugar. And Diet Coke. Soda for years. I haven't had soda now for over a year and a half, but for a long time... Soda was my main beverage. Um, and so, yeah, I have teeth problems. I brushed my teeth, but apparently it wasn't enough. Okay, got it. I know that going in, I don't need guilt on top of tooth pain. Like, just fix it and let me move on. But I am going, people. So hopefully that won't affect the podcast because I know I'm going to have to have my wisdom teeth pulled out. I, I'm going to have some other work done. Basically, all of my molars are going to be replaced. So hopefully it won't delay anything. I know I won't be able to eat for about a month, which best diet plan for 2017 ever is to not be able to eat solid food for, you know, a month at a time. Um, that makes me sad. I love mashed potatoes, and I happen <laughs> to uh, like Greek yogurt, so I think I'm okay. Um, oh, I love Greek yogurt. And I've been contemplating because I'm like, I need protein. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not healthy per se, but I do try to, like, eat a balanced diet. Um, and I was thinking, you know, like, I'm going to need protein, but I can't eat meat. I'm, I'm thinking refried beans is going to be my best friend. Um, I'm not, I mean, I know that, that there's a lot of fat in refried beans, but I know I can eat it. I, at least I think so because it's a, about the same texture as mashed potatoes. So, you know, hopefully it won't slow me down talking. We'll find out because that is literally my job. I talk more than anything. But let's get into movies. We've, we've talked about my, my dental problems enough. Um, we, we watched some trailers coming out on February 3rd. We have uh, four movies. I really think two of them are going to be in a theater near you. And the other two are going to be in select theaters across the country, more than likely art house than anything. Um, but then again, it's kind of a slow month. Uh, February is notoriously not a big movie month. There will be uh, the flukes like Deadpool from last year happened, but um, there's not a lot like this weekend. Not a whole lot came out. So uh, more than likely um, the rest of February is going to look like this. But let's get into the ones. I think we start small. Uh, the movie that I think is going to be in the least amount of theaters is Don't Knock Twice. Um don't Knock mm. Twice is a horror movie. The uh, what third horror movie coming out in uh, 2017 already? Because um, we have Bye Bye Man, we have um, Don't Think Don't Knock Twice, and Rings. Uh, the Rings, which also comes out on the third, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, I'm pretty sure that covers all the horror movies, unless Monster Trucks counts. Um, <laughs> but what'd you what'd you think of the Don't Knock Twice trailer? This was actually the first I've heard of it. We've already talked. I just don't make it to the theater in time to see trailers anymore. Um, mm. I was kind of excited when I saw IFC was, you know, had its hand in it. Because I, you know, sometimes like their movies. But, um, yeah. Mm, I Horror is my favorite genre, but I am very, 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 very aware at how much junk comes out for it. And... I can just totally see it being another, what was it called, Darkness? The Darkness? Ah, uh, yeah, yep. I can just see that. Well, um, on IMDb, there's no critic score yet, but it does have a 6.3 on the user score, so it must have been in some festivals already. Um, Katie Sackhoff, Lucy Boyton, and Nick Moran are listed as the top build cast. Um, it is a movie that says, A mother desperate to reconnect with her troubled daughter becomes embroiled in the urban legend of a demonic witch. Um, I am usually, I'm, 
usually not attracted to films about witches. Um, I am one of the few critics who last year didn't like The Witch. Um, and I'm starting to think maybe I don't like a lot of horror movies. Like, I like the genre. I'm not opposed to the genre. But I think I like a very specific type of horror film, and most of them are not that. Um, I can appreciate that. I like atmosphere, and I like a good story. I'm not really interested in you just throwing me nonstop, you know, rights or but, gore. Um, if it comes to a theater near you, Corey, do you think you'll go see it? No. Yeah, I'm I'm most likely going to skip this one just like I did Bye Bye Man, although I almost went and saw Bye Bye Man a couple of times. Um I still might end up watching it just to, you know, sometimes you got to watch some mediocre stuff so that the other stuff stands out. You know, juxtaposition is as important in film as it is with reviewing films. But um, speaking of, let's get into The Comedian. Uh, the Comedian is directed by Taylor Hackford, who I feel like I know that name. Let's look. Oh, um, he's a producer. looks like more than anything, but he's also a director. Uh, directed Parker, Jason Statham action movie. Oh, he directed Ray though in two thousand four. Um, won an Academy. Well, the movie won an Academy Award. I think I know Jamie Foxx won for the acting. Um, Dolores Claiborne, another classic film. What? Yeah, this guy's done some stuff. Officer and a Gentleman. So he's been around. So it's he's not Devil's Advocate. Devil's Advocate. Um. Oh. Keanu yeah. Reeves, Al Pacino. Yeah. Um. Interesting movie, and I think Charlize Theron, or, no, maybe, I can't remember for sure, I think it's her, um, and then starring uh, Robert De Niro and his unlikely love interest in Leslie Mann, um, and then it's also a little unlikely casting, uh, Robert De Niro is a stand-up comedian. What'd you think of the I... trailer? I feel like this might be one of those films that they throw a lot of big names into. And I don't really know if they would necessarily be, I mean, Robert De Niro and Danny DeVito, but some of the other people aren't that well known, but I feel like this is, might be one of those films that they put a lot of people, people might know in it and Mm. maybe to make up for a lacking story. It didn't look very interesting to me. It didn't look very funny either. Are you a, a big fan of stand-up? Like, do you watch a lot of stand-up? No, I have people that I enjoy, but as a, like, general whatever, it's not, oh my gosh, there's this new stand-up comedian I need to check out. I, in the late 90s, I was an obsessive fan of stand-up comedy. Like, I watched everything that came on Comedy Central. Um, I think that was, like, my main channel on most of the time. Um, I still love it. I don't get to watch as many specials, but I do make an effort for the comedians that I love. I have basically all the Louis C.K. DVDs. I have the Daniel Tosh, Jim Gaffigan DVDs. Like, I am a big fan of stand-up. It's something, actually, that I still want to do once in my life is do an open mic. Um, I I treat a lot of my lectures like an open mic um, as far as I integrate humor into my lectures. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm capable. Not sure if I'm good, but capable. And... I'm definitely familiar with it, if nothing else. I'm familiar with um, pacing and and delivery of jokes and whatnot. And that's what felt off in the trailer. Some of the punchlines that he delivers felt so off with the timing. Um, And I don't know if that's De Niro not being a stand-up comedian or if that's the writing. But the trailer had some moments where I'm like, man, this could have been great. But I think they cast it wrong. I don't think De Niro is the right guy. Um there are plenty of comedians out there who could have done the part, and it would have made more sense. 
and maybe like I get the the premise according to IMDb is a look at the life of an aging insult comic named Jack Burke um but aging like it could be any age it doesn't have to be like at the end of his career which is what I when I see Nero that's what I'm looking at not that you have to stop doing comedy at a specific age but he's definitely maybe out of touch with what's the norm and falls into it as a cor- apparently the story we're going to get is he kind of falls back into uh success but i'd love to see it with a, you know a legit comic if you're going to have a movie where the actor is going to be doing stand up comedy there are plenty of stand up comedic actors you know there are tons who do both they are comedians most of the time and then they do stand up i mean um adam sandler's funny people with judd apatow a few years ago um with seth rogan and jonah hill all doing stand up they actually went and did stand up for months before they filmed the movie now sandler was a stand up first and i think rogan was too or at least to some degree, but they went and did shows to get ready to do the film. And I think, I don't know that De Niro did that. He might have, but again, Sandler was a standup, went away from it, went back to it to do funny people. Um, even Judd Apatow was a standup comedian in college. If I understand, if I'm remembering correctly. So this movie feels like it's maybe coming from somewhere it doesn't belong. And that's disappointing. Cause I think it's an interesting movie. And I, I actually do want to see it, but I don't think it's going to be what I want it to be. I think it's going to miss on some of the key things. And it's Metacritic score, which is only nine critics so far, but it's got 46. So it's oh. it's hit or miss um, would be my guess. I haven't looked to see what the critics, if they're actually all averaging that. Ooh, it's averaging between 60 being the highest score and 25 being the lowest. Oh, no. So it's, it's not getting a whole lot of re- reception, but I want it to be better than that. But let's get into um, Rings is a movie I know you're looking forward to. I'm going to go see it. I know. And I watched every time that I look for a trailer, I see a different trailer. Yeah, there's a lot of trailers for it. I am getting really tired of the little kid narrating the horror movie trailer thing. And that's happening. Also, also, that little girl isn't even creepy because she's trying to be creepy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like. The Bye Bye Man, same thing. It was a little girl narrating the trailer. And it's like, okay, guys, we get it. Little kids involved with horror is somewhat scary. But it has to be, it has to fit. It has to feel organic. It doesn't, you don't want them to try to be terrifying. No, and sincerely, have some kid that can barely read, read it and not know what they're reading. You know what I mean? I feel like that would be a little more... Um, it is the third movie in the Ring franchise. Uh, a young woman finds herself on the receiving end of a terrifying curse that threatens to take her life in seven days. That is literally the exact same premise of the first film. Um, the only difference seven is days. YouTube is apparently going to play a factor. If you've seen the trailer where um, it's it's online now, the video is online. So some schmuck put this de- deathly curse video online. And then there's the scene in the airplane. Have you seen that trailer? Where all the airplane TVs turn on and start showing the video all at once. I feel like I've only seen a snippet of that. Mm. Like, the one that I saw has, and obviously it's not the same actress. I liked the actress a lot that played Samara in Uh, the first one. The little girl. Yes. And obviously it can't be her because it's like 27 years later. But, uh, I know, not really. (laughs) It's my favorite number. Um, (laughs) But, I... I don't know. I feel like I can tell from the trailers they're trying too hard. But so I saw one with a little girl sitting in that like room of the 
psychiatric hospital and then she's like coming um through the well it, a lot of what i've seen is just like recycling the original yeah. clips yeah. and trailers and, i mean when it's a video that makes sense <clears throat> to some degree but um I don't know. Like the first one had been overhyped for me. Everyone told me how scary it was. By the time I got to it, it didn't scare me. Um, mm-hmm. And now I don't know. This one just looks like it needed not to happen. And the fact that it was supposed to come out in October and got pushed back, which is one of the reasons I've seen the trailer so many times, is because they've been they started marketing it like I think in the middle of the summer last year, and then they pushed it back. So they stopped the marketing, and now the marketing's come back full force again. And I don't know. I'm not looking forward to seeing this. I probably will, but I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, I don't think it's going to be good. I'm probably going to leave the theater crying, but I'm going to go see it regard, you know, anyways. All right, let's get into the last one that I kind of consider to be the the big release that weekend. Although I do think um, Rings will do better. I think uh, The Space Between Us has a a bigger audience to pull in um, if it hits. And there's a really good chance it's going to flop. Um, but uh, the space between us, um, the first human boy, the first human born on Mars travels to Earth for the first time, experiencing the wonders of the planet through fresh eyes. He embarks on the adventure with a street smart girl to discover how he came to be. Um, and starring uh, Britt Robertson, who is from, um, oh, the successful Tomorrowland, uh, which is sarcasm. Mm. The Longest Ride, which I think was was that the was that a Nicholas Sparks movie? I don't. It looks like it. On the yes. Way. And then um, uh, Asa Butterfield, who I love in Mrs. Pettigrew's um, Mrs. Pettigrew. I don't know how to say Peregrines, uh, Home for Peculiar Children, and Hugo with uh, the Martin Scorsese film from 2010. Um, of course, he had love the flop movie. of Ender's Game, but I really enjoy him um, usually. And then uh, Gary Oldman is in this movie, um, as well as B.D. Wong and some other names that you'll recognize. Um, I am apprehensively excited about this movie. I feel like this would be a movie that you'd be really excited about, but because um, this would be a coming-of-age film, yeah? It, it definitely is to a very you know unique place. It's a unique coming-of-age film. Um, there's a lot of reasons why I'm, I'm excited at the surface. And then I was explaining it to my friend today, like telling him about it. And as I'm explaining, I'm like, this sounds really bad. Like as I'm articulating what the film is, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this could suck. This could suck really bad. It's definitely going to be a little melodramatic. Um, I had one of my students compared it to, uh, they they called it Fault in in Our Stars in Space, um, in that I think we can expect our main character to die. Um. I feel like they set that up for us pretty clearly pretty in the clear. trailer. Well, and that, the trailer I watched today, I'm like, what did you leave out? Like, it, it felt like they showed me the whole narrative from beginning to end, unless there's going to be a twist. Like, does she move to Mars with him? Like, um, M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, I, I don't know why trailers feel the need to show third act footage. I feel like maybe it's from that thing that you always mention, that so many people love spoilers neither of us do i really hate them and a lot of times when people tell me i have a hard time committing to watching a movie but maybe that's why maybe because more people do go to see it because of that yeah i guess that's that's possible all i need is the premise you tell me what it's gonna be about and you get to that premise and i will enjoy i will go in with 
high expectations if I'm interested in the premise. And I am interested in the space between us. Um, again, the trailer I watched, and there's a lot of trailers out for this one too, but the one I watched did go what felt like in chronological order, like the narrative will. Um, we see Gary Oldman. We see them sending people to Mars. Apparently there's a birth there. They decide to keep it secret. 16 years later, for some reason, they finally decide to bring him to Earth, but they're afraid he's not going to, like, the gravity's going to be too much on his body because he's never been in our gravity. He's always been raised on Mars. And um, nobody knows about him. NASA's kept it a secret, which is, you know, government conspiracy is a common th theme in uh, movies now. Um, the one thing, that, as I was explaining it, because I'm like, well, at some point he's Skyping with the teenage girl on Earth, but the girl on Earth doesn't know he's on Mars, which we I didn't know the first couple times, but I, this trailer clear, clearly points out she has no oh. idea he's on Mars. Yeah, she asked him where he's from or where he mm -hmm. lives. Well, and that was where right? I ran into... Yeah, I think she does. And that was where I ran into my first big uh, sci-fi issue, which was, uh, if you saw The Martian, with the Ridley Scott film from 2015... Um, he is able to do a live video chat, kind of. It's still pictures, and there is a delay. They're Skyping. Well, this is 2017 as opposed to 2015, okay? <laughs> yeah, well, <it's, laughs> I still don't think the technology... And it, actually, it's possible that this is further into the future. I don't know when they're claiming the, the year is. But I was like, okay, so we have to believe that they have a live feed from Mars to here with no lag. Um Okay, fine, but that's where I started like realizing that there's a lot to this film. I'm like, that, that's this could be really bad. I still think it could be really good. Um, it is a it's a compelling story. I do. I'm not one to shy away from a, a love story if I like the cast, and I'm I'm intrigued by the cast. Um, so I'm gonna go in hopeful, but hesitant. So that's my, my expectations for the movies coming out on February 3rd. Um, I am only really interested in one. I am kind of interested in the comedian, but I don't think it's going to come near me. Um, not near enough for me to drive. I'm not driving to Orlando or Brandon for the comedian. I will wait till that comes out on DVD and rent it. Um, what about you? What are you most excited for? Um, I still haven't gotten to the theater to see the founder, so mm. I would just be really excited and really happy to see that while it's in my main theater. That would be great. And I am going to see Rings. Ah, well, I saw Resident Evil last night, um, Thursday night, oh. and uh, it it's it's actually it's got a 52 on, on Metacritic, um, which is higher than I rated it. Um, it's Resident Evil, and it's... Um, I, I really nitpick the editing. It, it's too rapid editing, like where it's hard to even see what's going on. Um, they're trying to make it feel like real action oriented, but it's just like cut, 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 cut. I'm like, dude, chill out. Let me look at something. Like, I want to see the cool monsters that you've developed with your CG. I don't want to just see like a fragment of it for half a second and then see a foot for half a second and then see it again for half a second. Um, it, it was, it felt real erratic. Like he was trying to make it feel exciting and it just felt. Not nauseating, but uh, irritating. Like, just, like, man, dude, slow down the editing a bit. Like, it's very common. For, I mean, the Bourne movies have rapid editing, but it's still, it's rapid editing in good lighting. This is rapid editing in dark rooms where you just can't tell what you're looking at. And it it was bothering me throughout the film. And so I nitpicked heavy on that. Um, and, of course, it is Resident Evil, so there's a certain sense of cheese. But something that um, one of the critics I read today after I wrote my review um 
pointed out that it, it, Resident Evil seems to know that it's cheesy and accepts it. And so, it. yeah, they kind of, you know, turn into the skid, so to speak. And I, I like that. I can work with that, you know, um, because you're not taking yourself too seriously in a movie that shouldn't be taken too seriously. Uh, and I like that. But, yeah, it, it's it's not anything spectacular. If you're not a fan of the franchise, I wouldn't invest in the franchise for this film. Um, if you've already stuck through it, then see it through. See it through. Because according That's... to... To them, it's I'm the final. Going into it, yeah, that was, and me too. But I, I still am not going to love it just because I'm going in because of it, and I didn't hate it either. Um, I just found it tolerable. Like, like, all right, that's fine. I'm done. I'm ready. I'm ready for it to be over. Um, and I'm out. All right, let's get into our review of Blue Valentine. But before we do, Corey. Dun dun dun. Obviously, this is a movie club. We told you last week what movie we were going to be watch, in the hopes that you'd watch it with us, um, so you could be part of the conversation and you could tweet at us. But um, we will be ruining and spoiling this movie. So if you haven't watched it yet and you're not into that, you can stop listening now. But do check this film out um, if you would like to listen to the episode. And of course, if you don't care about spoilers, go ahead listen. Listen now. Um, you might want to hear, do we like it or not, before you make a decision on investing your time and money into seeing this. Now, uh, Corey and I, um, I bought this on Vudu Digital, and Corey rented it on Amazon Instant. Um, so it is available on those digital formats. It is currently not on Netflix, um, and I'm sure you can probably order it on DVD or Blu-ray if you're more of a physical collector. Um, but we're going to try to get into this, and I have I have a lot to say about this movie. Um we won't give our full review, but Corey, did you like or dislike? Um, oh, let's do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna take something from Doug Benson. He has a game he used to play. Um, oh, love like hate, hate like, and love. we're gonna. Oh, okay. Oh. No, that's fine. I was gonna explain what hate like was, but that we don't need to yet. So I also love this movie. Uh, so right away going in, you can probably predict our ratings from our rating system. But um, Corey and I are both going in saying we love this movie, and I have a lot to talk about with this film. Um, first of all, I want to talk about the director a little bit. Did you look at, uh, his other work? I did not. Okay, you're going to be really stoked when I tell you his other work. Oh my god, okay, I'm uh, ready. Derek C. in France is the name ah, again. Hold on, no, go ahead, sorry, Okay. wrong thing. Um, he directed Place Beyond the Pines, which, Corey, if you don't know this, Corey is a big fan of this movie. One of the reasons I finally watched the movie, who now I am a big fan of that movie, and he directed a movie that came out last year that we both haven't seen yet. And that mutual friend of ours suggested it to me, and it had been completely off my radar. As much as I like Ryan Gosling, I had not heard oh. of The Place Beyond, or I didn't realize The Place Beyond the Pines, and I'm still really disappointed in myself that I did not get to see that in the theater. But go ahead. I did not hear about that movie until last year. Like, I literally had never heard about it. You brought it up first. But then two other podcasts that I listened to, I think Battleship Pretension and I feel like Doug Loves Movies, both ended up talking about it by a weird coincidence after you mentioned it to me. And I was like, well, I have to watch this freaking movie. Um, and I did love it. But the other movie from last year that he directed. <clears throat> I'm looking right now. Light Between Oceans. Yes. So okay. that's a movie that Corey and I both have wanted to see. Again, not because of this director, but now... I am 100% committed to seeing that movie because I am a huge fan of The Place Between the Pines and Blue Valentine. Um, 
And I want to just say, for the record, I think I said this um, on the Top 5 podcast, but this movie has cemented it. Ryan Gosling is my favorite actor. Um, Not my favorite actor, because I have a really, really, really hard time choosing one favorite, because I feel like... But this man is very definitely multifaceted, and even though he like talks the same in every single movie and I'm not buying it that he's from Florida, but, um, <laughs> he, no, he talks, no, what? he's from Florida for real. <laughs> but I, is he really? I just found that out. My wife, oh my God. he's from here. That's what, how he was on the Mickey Mouse club. He had the open auditions in Orlando and apparently you, is from here. You want to know something? Me and your wife. Got to go see him she at the Mickey Mouse Club together. Told me that. She said she stood next to him or something while when he was like a nobody kid on the Mickey Mouse Club. Hold on a second, because I was in the same room with my boyfriend, JT. Oh, that's right. And Christina Clara and Britney Spears and Ryan Gosling. Well, and but then, of course, at the time, I had no idea who Gosling was. At, but I totally forgot about that. And add uh, insult to injury for me, um, my daughter tells me that apparently he was in Bartow recently. And his car broke down, and people helped him and didn't know he was Ryan freaking Gosling and were just being good Samaritans. And he was on a radio show, like, in this area somewhere and was talking about that and said that when he's old and retires, he's going to move to Bartow, Florida. And I'm just like, are, okay. you, are you freaking kidding me? I could have had him on the podcast. <laughs> I would be proud because I was born in Bartow. They make a lot of movies in Bartow, though. They, my um, Girl, um, that's the only one I got is My Girl. But I know they've done some other ones. They filmed some of um, Edward Scissorhands there and in Lakeland. In Lakeland, I knew. I didn't realize they did some of it in Bartow as well. And then they did Waterboy in Lakeland. Um, and I had wow. I, I was in the I had a class in the classroom where they did the uh, Colonel Sanders teacher. Um, but not to not to digress. But um, Gosling I, again. I am a person who, when I say favorite, I probably have several favorite. But right now, Definitely. there isn't an actor who I will be convinced to watch a movie more than Ryan Gosling. If Ryan Gosling's name is attached, I'm going to give it a chance. Even if I hear mediocre things like, I'm going to watch N Nicholas Winding Wren's um, Only God Can Judge, Only... I, don't, I can't think of what it's called now, but it's the only... No! I know, but I have to watch it because Gosling's in it, and I've heard nothing but bad things collectively, except I did see one review where they were just talking about the color palette in the movie, and that that's oh, really it's good. it's beautiful. Yes, which is a Nicholas Winding Wren thing. I mean, Drive is beautiful, and so is Neon Demon. That's just his style. But I know I've heard it's an awful movie, but I have to watch it because Gosling's in it, and that's become what I when I say he's my favorite. That's really what I mean. Like I, you'll I will, go into because of him. Yep, yeah, because I he does have a similar style with his the way he presents characters, but I like it. I like it so much. Um, it just works for me. I didn't realize until watching this movie how garble he talks. But he legit sounds like he's from Michigan or something. Like I don't, I don't I, know. I the the uh, he's just there's so much about the way he he brings to characters to life that I just connect with. Um, I really Every, really enjoy him in this movie. Um, um, I feel like he's really sincere. Yeah. I don't have a hard time believing what he's like trying to sell me. No, ever. You, you've seen Drive, right? Yes. Drive is a very different approach for him as he doesn't talk much. He's a much quieter character than he is normally because he does, for the movies that I have seen, well, Lars and the Real Girl, he also doesn't talk as much early. Um, 
and I, 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 I also enjoyed that movie, but I haven't watched it in a while, and I really want to revisit it now that I'm on this Ryan Gosling kick. Um, and, I, man, so let's talk. This movie, Blue Valentine, stars Michelle Williams, Ryan Gosling, and can I just say that the two of them together are amazing. Um, Michelle Williams is often talked about when people say great actresses. She's Her name is often brought up, and... I also think she's often underrated as far as, um, you know, like Hollywood success. Well, most of her big movies are indie films. Uh, they do get award recognition often. Even if she doesn't win, she's usually in runnings when she does a film. But she's not done a major movie um, that I can think of. I think she might have one that's like a big release. But most of her films are small indie releases. But man, she's so great in this movie. I feel like the biggest one that I can think of off the top of my head is Shutter Island. Yes, that was the one I was trying to pull. And but her, I I've seen Shutter Island. Um, I've only watched it once from beginning to end. Oh God, I love that movie. I do too. It's just I have I actually for the first time watched it two years ago. I think, um, maybe three. And I watched it with my boy that when we were doing the each what alternating movies at our houses. Like I showed a movie, he showed a movie back and forth. Um, and I really liked that. I can't remember how much she was in it, like screen time wise. Um, not a whole lot. That's what I was thinking. And that is where I fell in love with her. I, Mm. because up until then she was that girl in Dawson's Creek. And I know you like Dawson's Creek. I didn't like that. But I, but that's how so many people know her. And a lot of people love that show, but I didn't get into it. And for so long, I wrote her off because of that show. And then Shutter Island just, like, totally changed that for me. So well, now she's kind of my Ryan Gosling. So that's kind of our overview. We're going to go into the movie um, and kind of talk through the plot. So it opens with um, you hear a little girl screaming a name that at first I, I wasn't sure what she was saying. Um, and then I think she was saying Megan. Mm-hmm. So it's quickly revealed that that's her dog and her dog has gotten out of their little fenced in enclosure and is missing. And, um, she goes and wakes up her dad, who's Ryan Gosling and his name's Dean in the movie. And, uh, right away I, I fall in love with his character. Um, he's so, he's, he's so nurturing. Like I expected him cause he kind of looks like he's going to be like a complete asshole right out of the gate. Like, He's sleeping on, in the recliner in the middle of the day and his kid's in the front yard by herself, like, looking for a dog. Like, it looks like he's not a good person at first. I thought that was early in the morning, but it does It was early in the middle morning, of the day. But he's still in the – it does because he's in the recliner, right? Which, mm-hmm. of course, tells us that there's problems with the marriage. Why is he asleep in the recliner and mom's asleep in the bed? Oh, my gosh. Um, but I didn't catch that initially because, again, I assumed it was middle of the day. Um, until mm-hmm. they go to wake her up, and I'm like, well, why are they both asleep? And more importantly, why is he asleep in the recliner? And as the movie goes on, I, it makes perfect sense um, because there are two storylines here. And that's one of the things I loved the most about this movie is this movie is the blossoming of new love with Ryan Gosling's character, Dean, and Michelle Williams' character, Cindy. But that's told in flashback. The other story is love dying. And seeing those two juxtaposed together, how how much they were in love and how much the love is, is not there. And especially from her, right? 
like he has his problems but she clearly has issues with him um and then i don't know which way you want to go with this but then that had me thinking because like the whole movie the whole movie it is so ridiculously clear how much he loves her and their daughter but it doesn't i'm i wonder like did she really love him you know what i mean yeah i feel like well it's obvious oh sorry go ahead no 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 no. um i didn't mean to cut you off actually i was i thought i thought that was a jumping in point but um i i started to pick up early that the daughter wasn't his Mm -hmm. um pretty much from the scene where she's having sex with um bobby ontario who is played by a dude whose name i am not going to remember i thought i would i will pull it up while i'm talking but um he he finishes inside of her and that upsets her and i think that's the reason she breaks up with him which is probably a good reason to break up with somebody because he definitely did it on purpose even though he was like oh i'm sorry um second movie i've watched this week where that statement is uttered mind you um because i 20th century women there's a similar scene and i'm just like what is wrong with these guys like i don't get that i i don't know maybe i was raised to respect women more than the, the guys that i'm watching in these movies but um like once once that happens and we don't get a really good sense of time from the time that happens to the time she meets dean and the time they actually start dating we know at least a month passes from their first meeting to their first date so when she finds out she's pregnant, I'm like, well, how long has it been since that sex moment? Like, was it because was that the same day? Like, I, I, it was hard to kind of tell time wise. But we do hear um, when she goes to the doctor with the pregnancy that she's uh, 12 weeks. So about three months. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Mike Vogel plays Bobby. Her her. OK, is she in high school or in college? No. She's in college then. She's in. I totally got the feeling that she's in college like a community college i guess though because she's still taking like biology and they keep saying she wants to go to medical school oh see i figured it was like a university it might be a university but she's not in her field yet no so um so okay because i was at first i assumed high school boyfriend when they started showing the flashback but then no it's it's her college boyfriend um Mm -hmm. and um that's like that story arc is important it plays a factor in her in fact a lot of her backstory plays a major element to why she is who she is as an adult her parents hate each other but they've stayed married um i don't know if you caught uh, her mother in the film is um the mother in the family thing as well yeah i did and um she's also something else i just watched yeah i definitely recognized her and i like her as an actress yeah, but she's i can't not, remember she's her not name. on screen very long in this movie but um so her parents hate each other there's a really kind of nerve-wracking scene where they're serving dinner and he's just like oh you expect me to eat this slop this is the uh, michelle williams character's dad and mother not gosling um but i digress i want to bring up so the the dog's missing um, Michelle Williams ends up finding the dog dead on the side of the road, which is a pretty sad moment. She's obviously upset. Goes to she has to get to the the school because there there's like a little performance, and Ryan Gosling's already there. She sits down. He notices something's wrong, and she tells him that the dog is dead. And he says, uh, probably the most asshole thing he could say there is, "I told you to lock the effing gate." So he blames her for the dog getting out and dying. 
which is pretty harsh. But we have to ask I... ourselves, why does that happen? One, I have to apologize to you because this is the second movie that I've picked and both of them had a dog dying in it. <laughs> and John, all I really, really, really want is a dog. That's all I want. Oh, man. And like two more cats. But I'm just saying, I really want a dog and keep giving me all this heartache. Oh. But at least I didn't have to see the dog that much. You well, know what I mean? Let's ask, though. One, okay. why is the dog even in the movie? And then okay. two, why does he say that line to her? Now, I'm asking this, having an answer in mind, but I want to see what you what you think about that. So think for a minute. The director chose to include this. Um, I'm pretty sure he's writer-director as well um, for this film. So he chose to include this scene. There's always a reason, right? That's the idea with film is we, we put things in because we want you to think about something. We want you to feel something. We want you to be um, connecting dots that maybe don't seem connectable but are and that when that happened later in the movie i started thinking about it why i well i didn't think about why even though i try to be a much more conscious viewer now but um i definitely got the feeling that he was much more attached to that dog than she was and it was definitely like it was an attachment that he and his daughter both shared with that dog mm -hmm. and i felt like i don't know <clears throat> so I'm not really sure, but if my dog was killed and it was because my spouse hadn't locked the gate, I don't know if I'd be able to hold my tongue either. Well, here's the thing that I've, I've been thinking, um, and it, I don't know that it's not clear. And again, I don't think I'm like, oh, look how smart I am. But this is it's one of those things that I'm trying to be more active and thinking as a writer, why would we include such a, such a traumatic experience? Is it just to mess with the audience? Something like that. And I don't think it is. I think there's a bigger thing. Their backstories, as we see Ryan Gosling by himself and her by herself initially until they meet. Um, Neither of them have meeting. families. Well, they, well, she has a family, oh. but her family is super dysfunctional. His family, the mom left, but the, he's having a conversation with his new job. He, he's a mover when we first, uh, his younger self, which, by the way, also the, the makeup for this film of his aging is impressive. The when, receding hairline? Yeah, when the movie started, I was like, man, he looks rough. And then when we got the flashback, I'm like, oh my god, this this is they went into that like that's they had to age him at least. I I get what do you think the kid's like six? Well, yeah, and that's something that I didn't. Un <sighs> Gosh, yeah, I'm gonna so, say six. So the they've been married for approximately six years, uh, maybe seven, because they got married while she was pregnant. Um, but okay, so he talks about love to the guys he's working with, and that. Um, mm. when you find the one, you find the one. And that's like his you point know. of view. And you, you, that's when you get married. That's when you do the thing, when, when you know. Um, that's his philosophy on love. So we can assume then, if he's true to his philosophy, that when he met her, he knew she was the one. And that's why he was willing to marry a woman who was pregnant with another man's baby. A man, probably another man's baby. And has, I feel like... And we already know how much he loves that kid from the beginning of the film. So even though it's likely that it's not his, he loves that little girl like his own, which made me love him all the more in this movie because of my life. I, I My daughter, who I love more than anything, is my stepdaughter. But I've been with her since she was a baby, 
and she's mine. I don't give a crap about blood. I don't give a crap about blood in any respect. I, I don't, I'm not one of those people that think blood is thicker than water. I think family is who you make it, and my daughter is my daughter. And so the way he is with her, I loved. It was, it was definitely a connection that I, I clicked with that character immediately, and he earned a lot of my respect for that. But her philosophy on love is that it, it doesn't last. She's talking to her grandmother about her parents. And in fact, asked her grandmother, have you ever been in love? And she's like, I don't think so. And that made me so sad. Real sad. And she, what her grandmother said next, though, is that she doesn't think that her husband ever thought of her as a person. And I feel like with a lot of people, they don't look at other people as whole people. So that, I don't know, that kind of struck me. So what I'm taking then okay. is the dog is a metaphor for her attitude of love. What? Her heart had love in it and rather than doing what Gosling's character does which is lock it up tight and keep it and do everything you can to protect it she let it loose and it got hit by a car um not so eloquently put but I I think the dog's death is a metaphor for the way she views love she's not willing to work at it she's not willing to risk everything for it much like her grandma's attitude and much like we see with her parents love is something that comes and goes like a dog don't know if her grandmother really felt that way i feel like she just never found love i didn't feel like her grandmother had a cynical i felt like she had a very realist attitude about it that may be true but as a young girl listening to your grandmother say those things and then looking at her parents who are are still together and aggressively hating each other like they're not one of them neither of them is willing to leave the other but neither of them want to be with the other like obviously I, something happens with the mother Right. I was just about to say, I just realized that we never saw the mother again, again. which we don't get any explanation. Um, he's got health problems, the dad, um, and he looks a lot older than he does in the flashbacks, which, again, confuses the timetable a little bit. Um, something maybe serious must have happened. Um, we get no explanation about that whatsoever, but let's assume the mom finally did leave. She still stuck with him through all of Cindy's life. Like, until she moved out and got married. So, assume Cindy was 20 when she got married, at the oldest. That means Cindy probably witnessed, for several years, a very unloving marriage, right? Which is why yeah. Cindy ultimately chooses that, she, why she says she can't do this anymore. She doesn't want to put um, uh, the daughter, Frankie. Frankie, she doesn't want to put Frankie through what she went through I think is what she's saying she's trying to make because he says think about our kid he's trying to say we have to stay together for her and she's saying I am thinking about the kid and I think it's I watch my parents hate each other and it's made me who I am and I don't want Frankie to be like me but I just um, it, it, the movie ends in a very non-traditional way where you don't know for sure what will happen they definitely leave it a little bit ambiguous you know the last thing she says is she needs space. But it does feel to me like she's backing down from the definitive I want a divorce. Like it's not it's still on the table, but it doesn't feel like that's the only option. Um and we see Ryan Gosling walking away, um, in a very heartbreaking where Frankie does not want him to leave and he does the right thing again, he doesn't take the kid. He's you have to stay with your mom. 
Not that he doesn't love the kid, but he's not trying to go to jail or be crazy or anything like that. Even though we have a very intense scene where they both are crazy, right? In which I felt like there were a couple, but in the hotel? Uh, No, the hotel scene is uncomfortable, but... Um, that's a drunken crazy, right? Like she locked him in the bat in the bathroom. Oh yeah, well that too. But I, I thought just the the whole sex scene was super uncomfortable. As I was like, is he gonna rape her? But then he doesn't rape her. I was feeling like that too, kind of. I was like, what is happening? Um, what the one in the kitchen? I feel like there were a few. Uh, well, most of their I guess uh, adult. Well, not their adult. They're adults in the first place, but they're the later years of them being together. Um, oh, you're talking about in the, in her doctor's office yes. that she works for. Okay. Yeah, when he goes in, um, cause she leaves him at this, uh, sex hotel, which is pretty funny, um, that they, they go to like a sex hotel, tr- obviously trying to rekindle some passion. Um, it's or very, cl- he is. yeah, he is. He, uh, she clearly is like, she never wants to kiss him, um, throughout the movie. Like, uh, as the, the adult, Again, not the adult, but the older versions of them. Uh, she never seems to want to be intimate with him in, in any way, and there's lots of little hints at that. Um, and uh, as he goes, she leaves him to go to work because she was on call. I mean, she doesn't just leave him, but she he knew when they went to the hotel that she was on call the next day. She got called in early. She had to take the car. He wakes up. He has no ride. Gets drunk right away, which apparently they kind of push that he drinks a lot. Um, we see him drinking, and she even makes a comment that he uh, he dr- starts drinking to go to work, um, like, in the morning because he's a painter, like, paints houses. And um, so they definitely push that he is now an alcoholic, and I don't think he was when they met. Like, I didn't get the vibe that he drank much when they met. Um, mm-hmm. Not that his life is, like, booming or anything, but he seemed more together then than he does now. Um, but... He goes to he goes to confront her, and they get into a big fight. Um, he ends up knocking out the doctor that she works for, and then she starts hitting him in the face. Which really, I have I come from a domestic violent um, family, uh, so anytime domestic violence is depicted in a film, it, it makes me uncomfortable. Um, it, it you know sends me to my own Vietnam type flashbacks of my childhood, and um, I'm always a very uh, nerve nervous when those scenes happen um and i i was also nervous because i didn't want them to paint him as a bad guy i felt like they did a really good job i i never i don't even want to say this out loud but i would never hit somebody and not expect to get hit back you know what i mean yeah yeah and it's like I feel like I see not all the time, but it's not uncommon to see a woman hit a man in a movie, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not taboo, but it, then I don't think it's okay to hit anybody. Yeah. First and I, foremost. Not a, I mean, I do like a good action movie, but the context of that is it's usually, movie. yeah, in a, in a drama like this, um, that type of violence does feel. Um, it, it makes me much more nervous in a, in a movie. Like, in an action movie, a guy and a girl fighting generally doesn't, like, strike me the same way that it does um, in this type of movie, you know? Where it's, uh, I'm invested in these characters, especially these characters, because their young love is so intense and pure that seeing the juxtaposition of the, their love now is heartbreaking. But it's hard for me to believe that she 
I don't think she ever loved him like he loved her. And I can and, agree with that. And where he says at the beginning where he first gets that job, and I totally agree with him, not in all cases, but I definitely see it, that men wait and they marry who they're truly in love with. You know what I mean? Like, I better snatch up this woman. You know, she's she's amazing, he said in some words. And then that women, oh, he has a good job or, oh, he's stable. And I see that all the time in real life. That's interesting. I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know if I agree with that sentiment. I do think it happens. Um, I don't know if that's the norm. Um, I see. And maybe it's the a lot of, and I don't even want to say like a lot of the women that I know, uh, women that I know, but I definitely see women settling all the time. I don't know, but I, and that's like, was she? I see the way that he's in love with her, and I don't ever see that from her at all. And I feel like she's settling because here she is, she's barefoot and pregnant. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so obvious throughout the whole movie that. I feel like she blames him that she's not a doctor and it's not his fault at all because he had nothing. I don't believe it's his kid. Yeah, I don't think it is. And they paint um, they paint her to be a bit of a slut, actually. Um, um Yeah, I thought I was going to throw up, well, actually. Again, I'm not trying to be we judgmental. We don't know how old she is in the flashback scenes. Um, I would, again, say at most 20. Yeah. Um, and she reveals to the abortion clinic because she does go in to have an abortion, um, but doesn't. Uh, but she reveals to them that she was 13 when she lost her virginity, which apparently is fairly common. Um, it's a little early for me, uh, but um, apparently very common. But then uh, how many sexual partners has she had? And I believe she said 25. Hesitantly. Hesitantly. At first. As though she was still kind of counting like 25. Um, and that seems like a lot. I don't know. Um, is this is 2010? Um, and the film is uh film. It's made in 2010. I don't know. I guess assume that it's like seven years earlier. Since if if the film is supposed to be set actually in 2010, then assume seven years earlier was when they met. So 2003. If 25 people was a normal number at that point, it seems a lot. But I don't know. But they definitely seem to be painting her as uh, I I think the point of that the number being so high isn't necessarily to make her a slut, but to show that she doesn't get attached. Um, I feel like that's a fair. Yeah, like because again, I think your point is right. I think she was in to him, but maybe not in love with him. Um, he's hardworking. He's charming. He's willing to take me even though I am pregnant with someone else's baby. I I can see that being her logic for marrying him, much like what you said, his claim that women find someone they can settle for or that you know they can justify logically rather than emotionally, which isn't generally how the sexes are depicted though. In a lot of a lot of stories and in real life, women are depicted to be as the emotional thinkers and men as the logical ones. But his interpretation of love is the exact opposite. He uh, is acting on love and she is acting on l reason. Um, but I do think the characters demonstrate that. So I think you're right. Um, she probably never truly loved him. Mm -mm. But and I just, everything that he does throughout the movie, I think makes him such a good guy. Oh, Hey, 
You want to go get an abortion? What do you want to do? Okay, I'll go support you. Oh, you didn't want to have that abortion? Okay, what are we going to do about this? Let's get married. I love you. And then he truly does raise their daughter as his own. And just like, okay, can we talk about where he throws his wedding band into the grass? Yeah. And then he goes to retrieve it. He gets in the car and almost dives out of the moving van (sighs) because he regrets throwing it into the bushes. Now, and he goes and gets his wedding ring. He d- does that. He he throws it in the bushes because she says she wants a divorce, and that's him giving her what she wants. Again, another sign of the sacrifice that he's willing to make. It's just I see it all. I saw it the whole movie, and when she states, do, do you ever wish you'd done something else? You have mm-hmm. so much potential. No, I'm doing exactly what I want. I didn't know I wanted to be a dad. And a husband, husband, but this is exactly what I was made to do, and that's just not good enough for her. And that was that was, yeah. They almost it's almost flipped gender roles in in ways. Like he has a job, um, he he doesn't he's proven, but with his moving job and this job, he's willing to do whatever he needs to to get by. He's not upset about being a mover. He's not upset about being a painter. And he does a damn good job. Like he sets oh, up that man's. That's such a sweet scene. Um. He's one of his moving jobs. The, the job that he meets Cindy on <clears throat> is moving an old man from his home to an old folks home. And he's he's very caring about the character. Like, what happens to his stuff? Because there's yeah. no way they can fit all the stuff. He's, like, concerned. Like, what happens to all this guy's stuff? And the, the, the boss is like, well, it's not our problem. And then, you know, part of his job is unpacking everything in this new room. And he basically decorates this old guy's house, uh, his old guy's room. And it's it's funny because he then wants he brings the old guy in and he wants to kind of walk him through what he did, and the old guy doesn't seem to know what to say. But the handshake, but, yeah, you just like thank you, like. Uh. Everyone else is like shoving him in this closet to just end his days, you know, just like here you're out of your house, go to this place. Um, the person who we saw escort him from the house, I assume would probably be a family member. And he's not there. Like, we don't see him again. We don't, like, he drops him off at the old folks' home and lets the guy walk to the room with the nurse. Like, he doesn't even make sure his dad's stuff is there. Assuming, I'm assuming, it could be anybody. But, you know, given the context, I assume it's, like, his kid that's, or his grandson, at least, that's taking care of him here. No, doesn't even walk him in. So here's Gosling, not willing to risk getting in trouble with his boss to make sure the old guy's settled in and knows where everything is. These are where your shoes are. I hung up, you, you had a bunch of matchbooks, so I put them on the wall. I hung your military uniform up. Is this a picture of your wife? She's gorgeous. Just being such a good guy to this man who he owes nothing to. Um, and then we we end the scene with him looking out in the hallway, and I, I knew right then that's where he first sees Cindy. Um, but we don't see her yet. It cuts when we get to Cindy's story. Cindy takes her grandma back to this old folks' home, and sure enough, she's closing the grandma's door while he's about to walk out of Walter's room. And he picks up his money that he was paid off the dresser, and he sees the judgment in her eyes and confronts her like, "Hey, I didn't steal this money. I don't need to steal." He's like, "I've stolen before. I know when someone's looking at me like I'm stealing. I'm not stealing." But that meeting is so great. Like, the way he, like, woos her there, even even though she doesn't buy it right away, just his interaction with her, it's so gosling. It's so charming and silly and yet serious and sincere. I, I just, I love that about his characters um, in many movies. Mm, agreed. 
I I don't even know. And he found them a song, guys. The song, which is a great motif. Um, the first time we hear the song, we don't know what it is. But they're in the sex hotel. I was uh, about to say, that was the first time I noticed it. The, they're in the future room. Um, and she's she's not seeming into it. He tried uh, he tried to be with her in the shower, and she blew him off in the shower. Uh, that is not what I meant. Let's rephrase it. <laughs> she didn't give him the time of day while in the shower together. Um, the good thing this podcast is explicit, uh, <laughs> even though that wasn't meant to be. <laughs> it sure I'm did. just realizing <laughs> I feel so uncomfortable watching these movies because I know we're going to talk about them. <laughs> I don't know. Um, next week we're gonna be talking about The Handmaiden from 2016, oh my and that has God. some real explicit scenes in it. And I can say that because we're gonna tell you what movie to watch uh, for next week. But um, this movie has uh, some pretty explicit sex scenes. Not too bad, but um, like it it goes. Um, anytime you see a, a, an actor's head between a, an actress's legs, it's it's pretty extreme to me because a lot of movies don't go that far it's usually just you know guy on top of girl grinding and grunting and that's what you get this is this movie and the handmaiden get a little more visually uh uncomfortable um as a result I feel like it's so interesting and it's been talked to so often before and i'm not going to get into it but that that is still taboo yeah like yeah it, it, it's okay for vice versa but not it's definitely i don't, I don't think it, it I guess you have to ask uh, questions of, is it necessary? Like, why are they showing a sex scene? Um, and I, especially that explicitly um, in both films. But, um, like, are they showing it because sex sells? Or are they showing it because the director wants to see the woman naked? Um, I don't feel like in this film, in mm -hmm. either of the films, actually, that that's the case. Yeah, and that ultimately the big, the, the real question is, is it exploitative? Is it is it necessary to the story or are we exploiting the, the young women? And I do think both films... I still think Handmaiden might go a little farther than it needs to. But um, it's definitely... It's part of the story because the, it's about the passion and the love and the intensity of the love. And I do think those scenes um, exemplify that. And I think particularly when we see the sex scenes in um, Blue Valentine, going back to the, uh, the, the idea that she never really loved him... It's always him being the 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 giver. The giver, yeah. Uh, he's he is definitely looking to please her, and she never seems to be really interested in pleasing him. Okay, so she's I, Michelle Williams is beautiful, but she's not so beautiful that three men in the span of one movie. You know what I mean? Three? Well, oh, the doctor. Yeah, the doctor. The doctor hits on her. Yeah, and I'm. I'm wondering if there was an illusion that maybe even something had already happened. Um, and I don't know about that either because he did mention the emails, but I don't mm -hmm. know. She obviously said something to him about – to her husband about it. So I don't think anything transpired between them, but I'm sure he was approaching her. Definitely. And I, I, I wasn't sure, especially um, the sex scene in – the first attempt of a sex scene – I guess it's the second attempt in the future, uh, the future room at the sex hotel. Um, he, he's um, touching her breast and she's, she sounds like she's in pain. Like she's, she's gritting her fists or like her fists are clenched and her teeth are, it's not in pleasure. Nothing about the scene looks like she's enjoying it. And so my first thought was, what if she was pregnant and like her, her breasts are more sensitive 
and so he's not he's not doing anything aggressive. It doesn't look aggressive to me. And her She's disgusted, I think. She is, and that's that's revealed as the scene goes on, but my initial thought was is she having an affair with the doctor because it seems like it, she could be. Um and but we we jumped we jumped a bit. So the song plays there after the oh, shower God. the shower sex doesn't work out. She's aggressive with him. She's not aggressive with him. She just shuts him down. No way. Um he he walks out, they get dressed and he puts the song on and that's the only time she seems happy in the adult or the uh, old version of them is when the song is on. That's the first time she's affectionate in any way towards him. And at that point we don't know that it's their song. What the song is. Yeah, it's just a random song. Even when he picked the song, I was expecting it to be like aggressive heavy metal or something because he was he was pissed and she's like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, I think he said, y- you know, or what do you think or something like that. He's snarky about it. But then puts the song on and they, they have a little dance thing. She's not 100% into it, but she's much more into it than she'd been beforehand. Mm-hmm. But later we, we uh, he brings the song to her and says, I found us a song. And it's, and it's, it's a that song. song. I'd never and heard gonna... it before. It's uh, I think it's called You and Me, I imagine. Yeah, uh, and it's Penny and something. Yeah. I'm going to be looking to download it after this. Actually, I really enjoyed it. And um, Penny and the Quarters, uh, You oh, and Me. interesting. Penny and the Quarters. Yes. Um, so... Uh, I love the uh, when the younger selves the um, dance performance that they have where he's playing the ukulele and she's <laughs> I clearly improving a dance sequence that is <laughs> it's awful but it's super cute and endearing um, about her. It's probably one of my most like likable moments for her in the film. Not that she her performance is fantastic, but she's a character I don't think we're supposed to really get behind. Um, Although there are some hints that he's abusive, like where one the alcoholism referenced, um, we never s- see him hit her. Feel, I didn't feel like I don't feel like there was abuse. I feel like he's sad, and mm-hmm. I've I mean we I've known people who drink and they're not abusive. True. Oh, like no drink, question. drink, 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 drink. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no question. Obviously, being an alcoholic is not a guarantee of violence or by any means. But um, it's it's some of the, like the ways uh, he says things to her. Because abuse doesn't have to be physical, mind you. Um, yeah. He's he's very immature. That's one of the things that I do think they paint his maybe one of his biggest flaws is he's it well. From her, they have a young daughter, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the only one to me that seems like he's. I'm not saying she doesn't love her daughter, but I mean, he's. Uh, I feel like he's the one who spends time with her. I I think and plays with her. I mean, she her job is more taxing for sure. She's on call. She's a yeah. nurse. Um, so she's probably not home as much as he is, and I get that. Actually, I can relate to that. My daughter and I have had summers off together for the last seven years. Where my wife works, you know, retail, so she doesn't get that luxury, and so my daughter and I get to spend a lot of time together, especially during school vacations and stuff, because we're both off. Um, that's not to say that I'm a better parent, or in no way am I implying that. I'm just saying I don't think that alone is enough reason to, because there are definitely times where I maybe am too silly when like it's time to be serious, especially we're supposed to be a team, right? Like we should be on the same page. And that's where I don't see that they're on the same page with raising her. Um, 
and that I feel is more him. Like she's trying to make sure her daughter gets a healthy breakfast, and he's trying to help, but he's doing it in a way that he's still take like making jabs at the wife. Like you didn't do- cook the oatmeal right. You didn't. You know, mm. we're just trying to have fun. Little... You know, he's 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 turning her as the bad guy to the daughter, even if the daughter's never shows. There's nothing in the film that shows the daughter thinks that. Um, but it's again that little hints, not abuse in a big way but minor things that i can see her not feeling the love that he has like i know he loves her but But then i also see the flip side where she's pretty much frigid to him most of the time how is he supposed to you know what i mean yeah and and i don't know i definitely get using comedy as a defense mechanism that's something i do so i could see that being the motivation for his his you know immaturity that She's cold, so he's trying to warm her up by being funny, but that doesn't seem to work either with her. Um, and again, I think she's just unhappy. I don't think nothing. I don't think there's anything he could do to fix it. Um, and he even asks at the end of the movie when she's ask, saying she can't do this anymore. He's like, "What do you want me to do? I'll do it. What do you want me to do? You tell me." And she doesn't have an answer because there's nothing he can do. I don't think, like you said, she probably never truly loved him. She settled. And at this point, yeah. it's not enough anymore. And um, that's obviously not what she wanted for her life. Not necessarily to not be a mother and not be married, but she definitely wanted to be a doctor and, you know, mm-hmm. going to get her education. One of the lines that I loved, yeah, she's got, which is uh, echoed in her question to him, like, why didn't you do this? You had so much potential. I think she's also talking about herself. Like, why am I not a doctor? Oh, yeah. I'm a nurse. I could have been a doctor. My teacher, we hear her say that her teacher says she could do it, and she doesn't for some reason, most likely because of them. Um, no, there's not enough time. There's no money, whatever. Um, and it's not his fault, of course, that she got pregnant, so that should be noted. But um, I love the line he says, um, I'm not good enough for you. And then uh, he says, nobody is, so I guess I'll take the job. Like... Um, I, I like that a lot. Uh, super romantic and um, definitely, again, reflects his point of view um, of love. I love this movie. And um, he walks while he's walking away, he's walking towards fireworks, implying it's the 4th of July. Um, oh, well, they had told us, remember, mm, that... I missed that. Oh, rem- well, on the radio, I think it was... Or TV, they're talking about how something shouldn't affect their 4th of July. I'm guessing weather or another event or okay. something. It's on the radio, I think. And I thought it was so funny, the music he's listening to in his car. And then she's listening to, I think, Pat Benatar in mm. her car. Yeah. And it's just like such a difference, which doesn't really mean anything at all. The close-up um, of her eating the donut while that song is on, too, which is an interesting look um, for a... Uh, driving sequence we don't generally have a close-up from the side like that where she her face is on the filling the left side of the frame um, usually driving shots we have the rear view mirror shot which we do get for a second um, where we see the driver through the rear view mirror then we have the Hitchcock style which is uh, dashboard mounted looking at the driver in a close-up um, and then we do have the profile shot but usually the profile shot is you still see the seat and the steering wheel to give context to where she is her head is just floating uh, in the sky there. Like we're, we don't see the car at all. And um, 
it's interesting framing, and I, I don't. He really wanted to draw attention to her reaction um, when she finds the dead dog, because that's r- right after she's like, "Oh shit." And, then, and I was like, what's happening? I I hesitated for a second and I was like, oh, no. I picked another movie with a dead dog in it. <laughs> like, and this is where John is fired. I Man. John is. To, I, to be fair, I knew about John Wick. I had no clue that would happen in this movie. In fact, I had no idea what this movie was. Um, I didn't realize. I knew realize... that it was like a failing marriage. See, I, I didn't. Hadn't... I thought it was a blossoming love. That's interesting. I, I assumed oh. by the title. And um, the the actors, knowing that they were younger, too, because it's 2010 when this movie's out, that I expected it to be young love. I, well, the I'm pretty sure the um, synopsis from um, didn't read Netflix. It. What? Sorry? I, I didn't read it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, I, I've mentioned that I wanted to see this movie for yeah. a really long time. They used to have it on Netflix. And I'm pretty sure that I read it there, that it's pretty much their failing marriage. Mm. But can we... I just want to touch on, I know we've been talking for a long time, but they've only been together for like seven-ish years. Yeah. Uh, and I know they have a kid. If we are timing the kid correctly, if we're wrong with the kid's age, um, which I don't think we are. I think we're spot on. She could even be younger. She, she I could think be she's, five or six. I thought she was like five because yeah. it didn't sound like they were taking her to a school. It sounded like a pre-K. A, a babysitter or something because they were like are you going to be good for miss so-and-so today i don't know it didn't it just didn't sound like so, yeah. the context of a school. as a teacher i took that as a i took that as a teacher because they referred to oh. her as by last name which teachers do um and being good for us uh yeah please uh, if i'm teaching elementary school i want you to tell your kid to be good for me um but i don't teach elementary school because i could not handle it but um i heard about this movie uh watching a top 10 list actually I, I think the top 10 I watched was top 10 um, uh, credit scenes, I, and this film was on the list. I don't remember where it was, but it was on the list, and uh, that's what I was going to is the credit sequence is, is so great because he walks towards fireworks. When it fades to black, a firework lights the screen, and when it does, it reveals a photo of them, and we get a, we get kind of their narrative again Um as we see a series of photos and the last photo we see is the girl standing alone in the yard, which is so symbolic of a broken home. The the child feeling like while both parents probably want to, to be there for the child, it's more often that neither is because they, there's so much anger and resentment that the kid gets neglected. And that last shot with the fireworks of the daughter standing alone in the yard super powerful um and again such a cool way to do the credits to integrate the fireworks into the pictures um it's visually appealing and then um just really cool way of recapping the story of their their love and loss of love agreed and that's how i even heard about the movie so it was cool like i actually had forgotten about it until it started I was like oh yeah this is how i came across this movie it was it was on a top 10 list and like i the guy's just talking about the fireworks, and he's like, um, the movie starring Michelle Williams and Ryan Gosling. I'm like, what? How have I never heard of this movie? Like, these are two great actors, uh, both of which I'm a fan of. I'm, I'm a bigger fan of Gosling, but um, mainly just because I, I hadn't seen a lot of Michelle Williams films, and I'm kind of working my way through them now. And I'm, I'm, I've been magnificently impressed with her uh, ability to act. So... Um, is there any any other things to say before we give our reviews, Corey? No. All right. Well, uh, I'll let you go first. What are you What are you giving Blue Valentine? I'm giving this movie must see film, hands down. 
and I concur. I also give Blue Valentine the must see rating. Um, I I will be rewatching this movie. Um, Definitely purchasing it. Yeah, I well I big fan of of Gosling again. Um, I have to say what this film did for me uh, emotionally was um, it made me like I feel like I appreciate my wife all the time. But it definitely made me want to make sure she knows it um, because of of that fear. Like, you know, he he clearly loves her. And while it's probably not his fault, still, you know, I never want to risk it being my fault. You know, I always want her to know how much I love her and how much she means to me. And this movie kind of reminded me of that is is love is fickle and you got to work at it. Um, you can't just let it stale and you can't forget to lock the gate. No. Oh my god. So, with that, uh, people, keep your loved ones close. And Do nice things for them. <laughs> next week's episode of Burke Reviews Movie Club, we are going to be watching The Handmaiden. Uh, we will have a special guest. In fact, I'm finally going to name our mutual friend, because he's going to be on the podcast. Our mutual friend that Corey and I refer to on Top 5 Movies and on this podcast all the time, Brendan, will be uh, joining us um, for next week's episode, as he wanted us desperately to watch the handmaid and in a sheer feat of irony, in fact, message me that if he's ever on this podcast, he's going to make us watch the handmaiden. And I had literally rented it the morning of, and um, I was like, dude, I just rented it. And I'm like, let's, let's make it happen. Let's do it next week. And um, so he will be on the podcast. It'll be our first uh, special guest on Burke reviews uh, picked by Brendan. We are watching the handmaiden. It is available on all digital formats right now. I do not think it's available yet on Blu-ray or DVD. Um, but uh, we've already watched it, which is the first time that that's going to happen. We've pre-watched uh, a week in advance, but we're still still normal things. If, if you get to watch it and you want to give us feedback, we'd love to read your tweets or emails on the podcast. You can reach me at Burke Reviews, and you can reach Corey. At Corey, R-star, two R's on the end. Warning, that movie is not rated. Or is it MPAA? I don't know. I didn't look, but there is a lot of explicit sex um, in the film, uh, lots of nudity. It is not kid-friendly. Uh, this podcast is rated explicit solely because of movies that like this that we might end up watching. And I don't know that we can talk about it without it being considered explicit. Even Blue Valentine ended up being in a similar vein because I, you know, one, I made an accidental inappropriate joke. and um, But uh, that's why we, we don't curse a whole lot. I, you know, try to keep it somewhat PG on the podcast. But... Um, also, because we're going to have a special guest, I don't want to make my guest uh, conform to my my guidelines of cursing. So if Brendan comes in and wants to drop the F-bomb, he might. I don't know. Um, and he can. So just know that both the podcast and the movie next week uh, will be dealing with explicit content. So don't dive into The Handmaiden if you're not comfortable with that. I totally get it. I did think it was a bit excessive, but we'll talk about that next week. Um, but the movie, was it good? Was it bad? That is up to you to find out and hear from us next week on the podcast. Corey, until then, I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Peace out. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>